Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Wait, how are they not a toy? What, what do you mean? They're, they don't have a, a work function. They're a hobby. I mean, they, they may be a, a complicated hobby, so you need to have a license, but it's still a hobby, right? It's yeah. a hobby. Okay, it's kind of a toy. A toy's not a bad word. Toy's a great thing. This is the plaintiff, Herman Brown. He says he crashed his remote control airplane, and he purchased another one from the defendant who took his money but never sent him the plane. The defendant should be ashamed of himself. He won't return his money, and he's suing him here and now for the $437.63 he's owed. This is the defendant, Terry Appleby. He says he shipped the plane of his airplane on a Greyhound bus. But something happened in transit because they ran into a hurricane. He feels bad the plaintiff didn't get the airplane he shipped. But it's not his fault that they never made it. It's Greyhounds. He's accused of crashing and dashing. All parties, please raise your right hands. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in civil court. Both parties have agreed to drop their claims and have their cases settled here before Judge Marilyn Millian in our forum, the People's Court. People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Millian is now presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Okay, Mr. Brown, you are suing Mr. Appleby for $437.63 that you paid him for an RC Baron G58 plane, which you're going to tell me any second now what that is, and never received. What happened? The RC Baron is a composite plane. It's one of the top-of-line planes, and it's a twin-engine plane. Okay, but it's not a real airplane because it's $400. So what is it that I'm talking about here? <laughs> a remote control or? Yes, you're speaking of a radio control um, airplane. Okay. And it's, um, it's a composite. It's, uh, so it's built up not of balsam wood. It's made up of um, composite material. Okay. When you purchase a plane, there are scale planes and um, they're a step up from the basic balsam plane because it's a scale plane. Per se, you can have pilots sitting in the plane, lights on a plane. Retracts on the planes, open and close doors. You can, you basically um, configure this plane how you want to. Okay. And it's a it's a, obviously yeah. a hobby. I, have you been an aficionado of this kind of thing for a long time? I've been doing it for I've been in 
for the last 25 years. Yes. Oh, okay. And then, um, so what do you do? You go out into, I guess, open field. You have to have a license to, to go out and fly because the planes are not a toys. And so we um, regulate it through AMA. Wait, how are they not a toy? What, what do you mean? They're, they don't have a, a work function. They're a hobby. I mean, they, they may be a, a complicated hobby, so you need to have a license, but it's still a hobby, right? It's yeah. A hobby. It's okay. A, it's kind it's of a, a toy. A toy is not a bad word. Toy is a great thing. <laughs> uh, you know. All right. So, so you actually have to have a license to fly these? Um, I misspoke. It's not a license yet. Um, yep. You call it a license. You have your license, but it's really insurance because um, when the planes come down, they can do a lot of damage. Okay. So the, now, can you see up on the screen? Is that an example of this type of plane? Yes, that's the plane. Okay. And uh, unfortunately, I don't have a human next to it, so I don't know how big it is. So how big would that be? Uh, the plane is 72 inch wingspan on it. 72 inches. So that's pretty big. Yes. Yeah. That's yes. a serious plane. And I think it, it weighs in, comes in uh, around 15 to, tw- 15 to 18 pounds. Okay. Right. All right. So you went online and decided to buy the one that the defendant was advertising. Well, he sent me pictures August 25th and asked me to contact him. And I did contact him. And then um, I told him that's the plane I wanted. We agreed upon a price. So what was the price you agreed upon? $425. All right. The $12.63 is a service fee on what? Um, a service fee for PayPal. All right. So you paid him through PayPal? Yes, ma'am. Yes, Judge. Okay. So what ends up happening? Did you get the plane? No, I didn't. What happened was that uh, Terry contacted me on, on sec- uh, August 22nd. And I texted Terry and told him that I sent him the, um, sending the funds. He said he had to get a box, and he, he had to get a box because it's a big plane. And he had to get a box, and he was going to ship it. He contacted me again on September the, um, on the 1st and let me know that um, the Baron had been shipped. He had sent it to uh, Greyhound. September what? September the 1st. Okay. Now, you never ended up getting the plane, correct? No. All right. So I, let me ask you, Mr. Appleby, what happened to the plane? I'm, I'm not sure about Mr. Brown's dates. Um According to my records, I shipped that September or August the 22nd. All right. And then yes, who paid for shipping? You did? I did. All right. I and who selected the carrier to ship it on? You did? I think it was agreed between both of us. Okay. So when you uh, shipped it, what happened to it? Because nobody can find it. I, exactly. When I shipped it, uh, at that time, Louisiana, Alabama, they were going through tropical storms, a hurricane. I asked Greyhound, how long will it take to get there? They said, usually six days. They said, but they better go a different route. They got to go through the northern part to avoid the bad weather, and it might take a little bit longer. I said, okay. And they shipped it off. I waited. Uh, down uh, A few weeks later, Mr. Brown contacted me. We mainly contacted between Texas and on the phone or by the phone. I uh, said so he never got it. Got it on his end. He checked on his end. I checked on my end here in Jacksonville, Florida, with Greyhound. Uh, they say it's being delivered or it's in transit. Kept checking on it a couple, three times. Um, they say the last time I checked with Jacksonville Greyhound Station, they said it's in Texas, the last place it was scanned, and they can't find it. They can't find it. They can't find it. Okay. Well, that's why God made insurance. So have you made a claim with Greyhound? When I shipped it, uh, the tenant there asked me about how much to insure it for. 
I said $500. Apparently, there's a typographical error or he misunderstood me and he only insured it for $100. Hmm. Or you didn't want to pay the extra money for the $500 insurance no. and you're a gambling man and you lost the gamble. Either way, that sounds to me like a you problem, Mr. Appleby. Why is that a Mr. Brown problem? I'm not saying it's his problem. Well, you are because or- that was August and you haven't returned the man's money, even though you know that he never got the plane. Correct. Um, it just with the pandemic going around with work slowing down, it's was the furthest thing from my mind. Well, it can't be the furthest thing from your mind because a guy asked you for his money back over and over, so he was reminding you, so it was in your mind. Your position is, hey, I didn't do anything wrong, so that's on him. How is it possibly ever on him? All he did was trust you to be an honest seller and sell him something. What do you think a person in his position is supposed to do? He's out the 500. He doesn't have the plane. You know that. So what's he supposed to do? Nothing? He has to sue you? No, that's not right. So why haven't you paid him? This is, I've been busy with everything else. No excuse, really. You've been busy or you haven't wanted to part with your 500 bucks? No, I've just been busy. What do you do that you're so busy? Because I'm pretty busy. But if I owe somebody $437.63, I'm going to pay him. I work out of my house for a guy. I'm a forklift mechanic. Uh, I go to different. Well, you got plenty of time to have hobbies with G58 planes. So I'm not I'm not quite. And you had to find a box for it or construct a box for it. Then you had to take it to Greyhound and to ship it. So you have plenty of time to do everything except for one thing. Check how much insurance you bought. But if you all you bought was 100. By the way, did you make a claim on the 100? That's not up to me. That's up to Mr. Brown. No, it's not. You're the shipper. No, you're the shipper. You pick the carrier. You paid for shipping. The claim is up to you. See, all he wants is his money back. And you actually had the hubris to say, why don't you just contest it on PayPal? What do you think PayPal's going to do? If PayPal gives him his money back, you don't think PayPal's going to chase you and get the money from you? No. PayPal, there's a thing you, you pay one or two ways. Either friends or family, where there's no fee, or you pay buying purchase purchasing something. If you purchase something, then you're guaranteed. Okay, so you think that he should absorb the hit and make a claim through PayPal because that way you don't have to pay him, right? I don't make this stuff up. You want me to read your verbatim answer to the complaint? No. Okay, no, so no, no. Um, sounds you're, awful you're, when you're I say right. it, right? You're right. He deserves. Yeah, he does. I'm ruling in favor of the plaintiff and the amount of the four hundred and thirty seven dollars and sixty three cents plus your court costs, plus prejudgment statutory interest in your state from the day you paid him the money. Okay, that's my verdict. So finally, Mr. Brown is going to get his money back for the airplane, which he never did receive. Mr. Appleby, uh, a couple of quick questions. Let, let me ask you a question about why you shipped it by Greyhound. Why, why a bus? There are many other ways to ship something that big. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't, that, it wasn't that far from Florida, Texas. It's cheaper to ship through Greyhound. How big was the box, by the way? It was about 61 inches long, about 14 inches wide, weighed about 20 pounds. Okay, pretty good big box. As far as Sorry about that. You lose the I case. You, you lose the case. Yep. You got to pay him. He, the judgment against you. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, Mr. Brown, <laughs> yeah. you feel relieved a little bit? Maybe a little bit? No airplane, but you're going to get your money. How about that? Well, I think that's great. Um, I hate that the situation turned the way it is, and um, there's no hard feelings, but I'm glad to get my money back. 
Let me ask you, you had one of these planes, you said you crashed it. What, ha what happened? Did it do much damage anywhere or not? Yes, um, I didn't check the prop. It's a twin engine plane, I didn't check the prop and I took off and the prop came off and it nose died from about like about 30 feet up and it totally destroyed the plane. All right, well, it looks like you have fun doing this, so good luck to you. I assume you'll get another one of these planes one of these days, right? Yes, probably. <laughs> okay, good luck. Doug, this is a really important point. Um, the defendant had the obligation to ship this thing, and he can't pass that obligation off on Greyhound or FedEx or anybody else. It is his responsibility he has to make good on it. And if Greyhound or anybody else screws up, then he has a claim against Greyhound maybe, but the plaintiff gets his money. You often comment on the lower burden of proof in civil versus criminal cases. Does that make it easier or harder to be a civil court judge versus a criminal court judge? Well, that, there's so many facets to that question because a lot of civil court cases are decided by the judge and most every criminal court case is decided by a jury. Right. We have what we call bench trials right. in civil a lot, but in the criminal side, no. No, they're mostly juries. So um, it's neither harder nor easier. Uh, in one, we're not the triers of fact, right. so we're presiding over the you know, balls and strikes in the courtroom, right. making uh, rulings on objections and on legal motions. And in the other, when you're a small claims court judge or when you're doing a bench trial in a non-small claims court case, you're the trier of fact. So you've got to figure out whether the person has proven their case or not. But in a sense, it's, I guess it's kind, I don't know whether I would say it's easier or not, because truly you just, your mind just goes to what the burden of proof is. Right. And you look at this and you say, yeah, it's more likely than not, or what? you haven't proven it beyond and to the exclusion of every reasonable doubt. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This is the plaintiff, James Patton. He says he was walking his well-behaved dog, Sassy, on a leash. And the defendant's beast of a pit bull pounced and injured his dog pretty badly. The defendant has been nothing but rude since the attack. He's out $670.15 in vet bills and is suing for just that today. This is the defendant, Gil Page. He says he is a right leg amputee. And Daisy is his pit bull service dog. And she's the best darn dog in the world. She's never been aggressive. And he owes nothing. He's accused of not taking responsibility. All parties, please raise your right hands. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Okay, Mr. Patton. You are suing yes, Mr. Page for $670.15 in vet bills because, according to you, his dog attacked your dog. Tell me what happened. October 31st, I was walking my little dog, Sassy, with I do every day. We go on a three-block walk, 
And so I was coming back home, headed east. And what kind of a dog is Sassy? Sassy's a Shih Tzu. Okay. And how old is Sassy? Little lab dog. Sassy's nine years old. Okay. We have her here in court with us. Oh, can you bring (laughs) Sure. Hold on here. Bring her on up there. Let me see her. Okay. All right. Well, the name suits her, that's for sure. Okay. All right. Thank this you very is my much. Baby. Okay. You can put her put her down and tell me what happens. You're walking Sassy and is yes. Sassy on a leash? Yes. Sassy stays on the leash when she's outside. Okay. But then how we're walking her back home and then I noticed the dog was in his yard. Not and his what yard, kind of dog driveway. when you say his, are you referring to the defendant? Yeah, the defendant's dog, which is the pit partial pit bull. Okay. We were walking her on my side of the street. And so uh, I looked up, and the dog come just running over there. Where so the dog wasn't was. fenced in. Well, no, the dog wasn't fenced in. And he, the dog he, had no he, leash. Had no leash on him, and so he was out there with the owner, and but he, the owner was telling him to come back, but he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't come back. He wasn't paying the owner any attention. So he came over there, and, and so I tried to kick him off. I was fighting him real good to get him off. I was fortunate enough to get Sassy loose from her lease, but he had already bit her and had his uh, uh, teeth inside Sassy. And so I kept kicking him to keep him away so Sassy could get uh, up the street by herself. So she ran ran home. Meanwhile, he, Sassy was bleeding like heck. And so I was telling the guy, get your dog, get your dog. The dog wasn't paying the owner any attention. He never did come. And so uh, I kept kicking the dog to get him away. Sassy then started running up the street and and, and found her house and went and got on her porch. Meanwhile, she's bleeding like heck. So we had to get her in the car and take her to, to the vet. And so the vet took care of her and everything. However, she had to have surgery and stay there overnight and so forth. So when I contacted I went back to his house to contact him. He said it was just a dog fight. You know, and I don't have no money to pay for that. And so we just left it at that. I said, okay, then we'll have to take you to court. Okay, Mr. Page, um, what happened out there? Like he said, we were out in the yard, was washing the car. I let Daisy off the leash sometimes. She's very very well-mannered. Well, apparently not. That's kind of why we have laws saying your pit bull isn't the exception that can be. Why is it always a pit bull? I don't know. Actually, let me rephrase that. Why is it always a pit bull owner? Because the dog is the dog is the dog. The dog is being true to its nature. When it clamps down and doesn't let go, it's because that's its nature. The problem is the owner, not the dog. So why on God's green earth would you have your dog without a leash in your front porch because you're so in control of your dog and then we see that you're not in control of your dog resulting in sassy yeah yeah well he walks through there every day and my dog never bothers his dog uh she never bothers anyone i I know he'll agree that he walks that path every morning and i have my dog out there can i ask you a question why do you get to have a loose pit bull well, ma'am, she, she's not a pit bull. She's half lab and half American bulldog. Okay. Well, why do you uh, get to have uh, a loose uh, mixed pit bull? I mean, why do you well, get to have a loose yard. dog, but everybody... It's in your yard. You don't have a fence or a gate around your yard. So it might I as... Electric, I have a... Oh, how'd that work out that day, the electric fence? 
Well, it happened to be off. Okay. And uh, Well, then, do you understand what the law requires of you? Yes. Okay. So what is your defense? Because the guy comes to you, and it's not a $5,000 vet bill. Mercifully, it's a $670.15 vet bill, which it could have been way worse. And your response is, oh, dogs will be dogs. Yeah, dogs will be dogs. We just expect a little more out of the humans than we do of the animals, right? So what's your defense? Dogs will uh, be dogs, but... My defense is the bill he presented me showed that he had only paid $16 and some odd cents. And I was told by the hospital that they had dog insurance. And yes, that is more money than I can budget up in a, in a month or so. My, uh, my, so I, did I you make to an offer rude. to pay little by little? I did, but... Did he know, make you the, an offer to pay little by little, Mr. Patton? No, he didn't. Haven't heard any more from him. When I approached him, he said he don't have any money. Yeah. So with an attitude like that, I didn't want to go any further. Mr. Page, so let me ask you a question. Your defense is he had insurance? That's your defense? That's, that's what I thought. Okay. So, Mr. Patton, uh, it is not a defense for Mr. Page that you had insurance, but my question to you is, did you have insurance? No. Okay. No, we didn't have any so, insurance. We had, to come out, we had to come out of the pocket that okay. day. You know, uh, after they did the surgery and so forth, we had to pay for that. No insurance. And no insurance covered it at a later time either. No insurance. See, here's the thing. If I if I run a red light and smash you to pieces and you have insurance on your car, is my defense that you have insurance, Mr. Page? Oh, what's he complaining about? He has insurance. Right. That's not a good defense. Right. Now, a person can't collect twice. They can't collect from the insurance company and also pocket money in, in a lawsuit because then they'll be doing insurance fraud. They're supposed to. Their contract with the insurance company says they'll reimburse the insurance company if they get anything. But we don't even have insurance here, so it's not even a defense. So, honest, well, ma- just explain to me why I should not hold you liable for the vet bill. Ma'am, the bill that was presented to me was only paid the only amount paid on it was $16 and some odd cents. That's why I called the hospital. Well, I should have presented the bill. Oh, you should have. Let's see. Let's see the bill. Hold on. Hold on. Right there. $16. That's that's really young. Can I tell her something? Yeah. My wife. Yeah, go ahead. Let me hear. Let me hear the wife. Go ahead. What's your name, ma'am? Judge Million. I'm Barbara Patton. Go ahead. Okay. The bill from the vet is the six hundred and ninety-seven dollars and fifty-three cents. Right. The sixteen dollars is the additional we had to pay on the bill because we didn't have enough on that credit card. Do you have the other credit card? Like you have here attached the credit card that's sixteen oh one. I'm just curious. Do you have the one that you paid that was six hundred and eighty one? No, you don't have it. No, you don't no, know what happened to it. They won't give you the. They won't do the surgery unless it's paid. And right. like I said, this is the only thing they I gave know, us. I understand that they got paid. I'm just trying to. I'm curious whether they got paid through insurance or through you. You're saying it was through no. you, so I'm asking you: Do you have the the bill for that? No, Judge Million, and we never, I don't know where he got that lie from that we had insurance because we never had insurance on Sassy. So out of curiosity, Mr. Page, where did you get that statement from looking at this bill or from somewhere else? Well, that bill was presented to me and I seen the only $16 and a penny paid. 
I called the hospital. Why didn't he pay the Just a minute. How much just a minute. Exact, Go ahead. Go on, Mr. How much exactly? How much exactly I would have to pay, right? And they may be mistaken, but they told me it was probably paid for by, by insurance because this bill would not get them out the door. All right. Well, uh, like I said before, it is not a defense to your negligence to say, hey, the other guy had insurance. But like I said before, also, if insurance did pay for it, it could be considered insurance fraud if you don't reimburse the insurance from what I'm about to do right now. And what I'm about to do right now, but you got nothing to worry about if you didn't have insurance and you actually paid that, then you keep all of the verdict I'm about to render. But what I'm going to do right now is find the guy with the partial pit bull, with the absent leash, who attacked Fluffy or whatever, Sassy, all right, responsible for the injuries to Sassy. Verdict for the plaintiff, $670.15. Tell your husband we said hello. Well, even the puppy was cheering over that verdict. Mr. Page, the judge found you guilty, $670. What are you thinking? Yeah. Well, I thought that might happen, and uh, I was not tried not to be rude to the to people. They, they would stop me in the middle of the road and traffic and and I, I try not to be rude. I do have sympathy for the dog. I love dogs. I would never have that happen ever again. And uh, my dog is not a vicious dog. She was not raised that way. All right. Sorry about that. You're assessed $670, and you're, you're going to have to pay them. All right, Mr. Mr. Ms. Patton. Uh, <laughs> and your dog, Sassy? Sassy liked the verdict, didn't Sassy? Sassy's happy. Look, Sassy. Bottom line is, how is Sassy? She 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 recover okay from the problem? Yes, she's yes. doing fine. Yes, yes, she's doing. Okay, they had enough. to split All her right. open, but uh, she's doing fine. All right. Well, this good is enough. our baby. Congratulations, Mr. and Ms. Patton. <laughs> okay. Thank, Thank you, you very much. And you too, Sassy. All right. Well, Doug, insurance actually is irrelevant. I mean, the fact is that the defendant's dog messed up and the defendant messed up and the plaintiff is entitled to money if there's an issue with insurance that's between the plaintiff and his insurance company so marilyn do all three of your daughters sing why yes all three of our daughters sing all right who's the best no. Uh, no, no i'm telling you they all they all really do have the voices of angels it's the weirdest thing because you and i cannot carry a tune no we I, do well, not know where they get it from no and all three of them sing. They're, they've all been in bands. They've all been, uh, to the two older ones who went through college were in a cappella groups. It's it's really quite strange that they all sang. sang. In any no, I mean, I sing. Look, you just don't want to hear me sing. You know, when I was a kid, my parents wanted me to sing tenor. Ten or 12 miles away, so nobody could hear me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, and also, they wanted me to sing solo. Yeah, so low you could barely hear it. Exactly. Good job. But isn't it weird that all, all three of them, I wonder if their kids will... Will be able to carry Maybe it it's like a generation skipping talent because God knows you and I can't sing a no. lick and they all sing beautifully. Yeah. So. And actually, our youngest daughter, our 19 year old Sophia, has a song on iTunes with a band called the Red Flower, F L O U R, Red Flower Band, right? Right. Um, which is on behalf of Young Musicians Unite, right. which is an organization that my children have been involved in in Miami that is in several high schools where high school students will partner with middle school students from underserved areas where music is no longer part of the programming and they bring music into these schools, which is lovely.
This is the plaintiff, Angela McClendon. She says the defendants, her former landlords, sold the house she was renting, kicked her out, and she was almost left homeless during the start of the pandemic. Now they refuse to return her security deposit. This is outrageous behavior, and she's suing for the $2,650 she surely owed. These are the defendants Eugene and Rosa Maritato. Rosa says they told the plaintiff they had sold the house and agreed to give her back her full security, plus an extra $1,000 if she vacated by a certain date. The woman agreed, then stayed an extra two months. So their deal was negated. Now they owe her nothing. They're accused of double-crossing a tenant. All parties, please raise your right hands. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Okay, Ms. McClendon, you are suing your former landlords, Eugene Maritato and Rosa Maritato, for $2,650 that you say they owe you. Tell me what happened. How long were you living there? Um, I was a tenant of the Maritatos for 13 years. Okay. Um, I had uh, lived in the unit. It was a small, single-family home. Um, I lived there my daughter and I until she moved out, and then I lived there by myself. Okay. So I was there 13 years. All right. There was a $1,650 security deposit. Everybody agrees that that's accurate, correct? Yes. Okay. And then yes, what happens? You receive notice from them that what? Uh, what happened in uh, September, uh, Mr. Maritato um, came to collect the rent for the month of September. He then told me that they had sold the unit, and that uh, the new owner would uh, wanted me out by October the 15th. I then uh, told him that was like a really short notice. And that well, I was, wait, hold on one second. Hand. He's giving you that notice at the beginning of September. September 6th, exactly. I okay. And, and here's my question to you. Um, did you have a lease? Yes, ma'am. So you were in the middle of a lease? I was right in the middle of a lease. So your lease was going to end when? I had been there 13 years. I was on a year-to-year lease, and then they changed it from to month to month. Oh, so you're on a month-to-month, which means they have to give you 30 days' notice. So if it's the end of October, then they gave you almost 60 days' notice. So I know that feels short if you're the one who has to move. It's stressful, but it's the amount of notice required. But in any event... At one point, they, um, I don't want to say bribe because that sounds wrong, but they were giving you an incentive, correct, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Maritato? You folks uh, offered her what in order to move in 60 days? Your Honor, um, we offered her $1,000 plus full security back because we were in contract to sell the house and the gentleman that wanted to buy the house, he needed for himself and he wanted to be vacant. You offer her an extra thousand if she gets out at the end of October. Did she get out right. at the end of October? No, she did not. And we lost the contract. Because it was oh, contingent on her vacating? Right, right. Yes. Okay. All right. I mean, so I let me ask point. you, Ms. McClendon, did you get out? Because you're suing for the thousand dollar money promise, but it's kind of funny. Because you yourself admit you didn't get out at the end of October. No, ma'am. I end up finding a unit by 1115. That's when I signed my lease. Okay, so why would you be entitled to that $1,000 you're suing for? Um, well, because 
Really, Your Honor, it was basic, basically the security that I was asking back. Okay, so are you dropping um, the request for an additional $1,000? I mean, I'm, I don't want to drop it because they... Okay, I'll just rule against life. you on it. So Because it couldn't be clearer that if I say to you, I'll tell you what, if you get out by the 31st of October, I'll give you $1,000. I don't have to give you the $1,000 if you don't get out. You see? That's what gives you the entitlement to the $1,000. You were persuaded to get out by me giving you the $1,000. And the irony of all that is that they'd already given you sufficient notice. I realize that you feel like the longer you live somewhere, the more attached you are to it, and all that's great. But if you're on a month-to-month tenancy, you only have to give them 30 days notice if you find something you like, and they only have to give you 30 days notice. That's it. You don't have greater rights than that, and they don't have greater obligations than that. Now let's talk about your security deposit. You end up leaving on what day in November? Okay. The um, I started moving my items out on about the 15th, because that's when I signed my lease. And 15, 16, 17. So I'm going to say the end part of November okay. was when I was totally out of their unit. Okay. And you did pay rent for November, right? Yes, ma'am. There's no dispute about that, right, Mr. Maritato? Uh, no. What I want to understand from you, Ms. McClendon, is you say you're entitled to the entire security deposit back, and you, Ms. Maritato, say she is not. Why do you say she is not? She uh, left all her belongings in the house, okay? And uh, she says she was dealing with my husband, but she was also dealing with me. There's a whole bunch of text messages that I sent her, uh, uh, in regards to the belongings that she left in the house. What did she, she leave in the house? Refrigerator, two sofas, bed, dresser, all canned goods, uh, pots, pans, uh, boxes, all this stuff. And she told me, she goes, I'm so sorry because I couldn't take it with me, but you can donate it. But your honor. <laughs> yeah, that's not how it works. Pandemic, yeah, that's not how it works. Pandemic, that is not true. Who do you give well, it to? Well, but here's so. the thing. Did you leave all that stuff behind? Because I just showed you pictures of it. So did you leave Did you leave okay. the place clean or did you and, and empty? Your or honor, did you leave things? Can you hear me talking? I did. Right. So I why did. are you talking over me? Did you leave all that furniture behind? I did, your honor. Okay, well, that means I that they have to that. pay somebody to move all that stuff. And you know that because okay, that was actually discussed in the text, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Okay, so, and what exactly is discussed? Let's talk about this. Here we go. Good morning, Angela. Hope you are well and safe. We have been trying to find someone to remove the furniture and the rest of the stuff you left in the apartment. We even asked Justin, the realtor, if he could recommend someone. I just heard from him and he said no one wants to do it. So we start to search ourselves to find someone which we did, but they want $650 to do it. So before I give them the okay, I want to check with you if you are okay with it or if you'd rather find someone yourself to move your belongings. This is on December 11th. They're still giving you a chance to move your belongings. And you say, "Uh, good morning, Rosa. I'm well, thank you. I wish I knew of someone who could move the items from the house. Then please, by all means, go ahead and pay them. I apologize for not being able to get them out myself. It's not a problem. I also wish you a very Merry Christmas. Love your forever tenant. Okay, Angela, then we will have them remove it. And when they are finished, I'll refund you what's left of the security deposit. All right. So that means you were going, you folks had, by December 11th, agreed that you would take 650 
for the furniture and stuff she left behind to get it moved and then return $1,000. I just read your words, Ms. Maritato. So did you ever return the $1,000 that you just, uh, I just read out loud, you said you would return to her? No, no. But Your Honor, we could not get that stuff removed until the December, at the end of December. Why? So, and then we... Why? Why? Uh, they told me they couldn't do it until then. They were busy and they couldn't do it. So her stuff was in our apartment until this, the end of December. Right, and but you then, never... So what, what is your premise, that you should be able to keep the $1,000 for December rent? Because her stuff was in our Okay, in now that's house. fine. Could, I, and normally I would say, hmm, she's kind of have a point. If I hadn't read a text from you on December 11th, which is halfway through December, suggesting to her a resolution that you would take 650 to solve the problem... And this is December 11th, you say that, and that you'll return the rest of her security deposit. What changed between December 11th and December 31st that all of a sudden you decide that you can get December rent? Absolutely nothing. So I am ordering you to return $1,000 in rent, not $2,650, just the $1,000 left over after the $650 that you yourself settled with her in the middle of December would be the cost for her having left all her junk behind. All right, verdict for the plaintiff, $1,000. Thank you, Your Honor. So the plaintiff prevails is going to get $1,000 back, not really what she wanted. She wanted more than that. Uh, I doubt the defendants are very happy about this. Mr. and Mrs. Mary Tato, how do you feel about it? Well, honestly, uh, when I told her that I would uh, refund whatever was left of the security, okay, we did not anticipate that it was going to take this long to have the stuff removed. And on top of that, we had to pay for the dump to have the stuff dumped. It was, was additional money. Well, yes. I'm sorry. The yeah. judge held you at your word. That's what you told her you do, and uh, she's holding you to it. So you got to give her $1,000 back. Okay, Ms. McClendon, you're only going to get $1,000 back, not the 2650 you wanted. How do you feel about it? I just wanted to, you know, I ended this relationship with these landlords on an amicable basis, and that's all I wanted. Um, I just wanted my security back. I had lived with them 13 years. That's the judge's decision. Let me ask you this. Are you are you okay now? Did you find a nice place, and are you happy there now in your new place? I'm in a beautiful location. I'm in a nice area, and my family is thriving, and we're well. Okay, good. Well, congratulations. So, Doug, what's interesting about this case is the landlord and the tenant reached a settlement here. And what you should do when you do that is you, you memorialize it by text or email and you make clear what the terms of the settlement are, the date of the settlement, and then it is case closed. Judges, when you award statutory interest, how much is it really? Given the rates are so low, it can't amount to all that much, can it? Thanks, Stephanie. Statutory interest is one of those kind of boring things that judges do in, in all civil cases, and it's fixed by statute. Usually it's, it's either a, a particular number that they adjust every year. Sometimes it's tied to the prime lending rate right, uh, or just right at or, or near that. And what it does is it recognizes the time value of money. Because, of course, there is a value to having money over time. But And, and, and it's also, um, every state has different rules about how they do it. Some of them have a really high right. prejudgment statutory interest right. that has nothing to do with the prime lending rate. Right. And, that, and then they don't even revisit it for four or five or six years. And yeah. 
And, and so it's really untied to anything, and it's kind of weird. And then some tie it to the primary, and some just review it every year. Right. So. Um, and when interest rates are high, those rates tend to be high. When interest rates are low, they tend to be low, right? Right.